1: something from the Todd Feinberg Show. Don't stress. Listen to the podcast
2: at WTIC.com or on the free Odyssey app. WTIC Rant Line number. The Rant Line's always just waiting for you to call. You can do it anytime. 860-751-4698. We play those in a little over an hour. In a couple of minutes, Jeffrey Tucker will be here. Do you remember Jeffrey Tucker? We used to have him on regularly then. About a year ago, we sort of phased out. He was starting a new organization called um, the Brownstone Institute. And he is, uh, it's a nonprofit, and he writes for it as well, and he writes for the Epic Times and on uh, the economy. Really smart guy. But I learned recently that he is a believer in no government and i'm fascinated with this idea of a system of governance that happens without government and it sounds really bizarre to people but the more i think about it and talk to people about it who've been thinking about it and talking about it a lot longer than i it makes a lot of sense it doesn't matter so much what we point to as a goal because the as long as we're heading in the right direction that is more towards the back towards the american system of government the american system of government it seems to me was designed by people who didn't believe in government but didn't really have the imagination or couldn't see a path to creating a society that was based on not having a government so they designed ours to be as protected from government power as possible while creating a government and that experiment didn't work so well. It's a mess now. And and we are overwhelmed by government and oppressed by it in ways we don't even notice. So Jeffrey Tucker will be here in the next segment and we'll talk to him about that. And I'm excited to do it because I didn't know before that he was um, somebody who felt as strongly about small government as to get to the point where he didn't want any at all. On the other hand, the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center must remain forever active. And Mark Christopher is there manning the post. Hey, Mark.
3: It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080.
2: Yeah, so I'm psyched because we will be talking now with Jeffrey Tucker. From the Brownstone Institute, go to brownstone.org and check out his new operation. Wonderful stuff to read there. Jeffrey, welcome back to WTIC.
3: Uh, It's such a pleasure to be here. How's the audio? Good, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, the magic of the new iPhone, right?
2: Well, that's good. I'm glad there's some magic left in it. You never know these days where the magic's going to disappear.
3: Well, that is true, or where the magic where the evil is going to appear in the poem of convenience (laughs) Uh,
2: that too so i was excited to learn that you have um extreme libertarian beliefs i guess is a way to put it so that people understand it is that a fair depiction i think uh to offer for your belief system i you know
3: i i i the english language is so frustrating because words are so malleable um, I don't usually call myself libertarian any, anymore because the libertarians flaked so badly on mm-hmm. the lockdowns that I just I, I couldn't stand it. Uh, it was it was it, it genuinely awful.
2: What do you so, think happened to them in that case? Uh,
3: well, they got they just got very confused, unfortunately. And well, it's like a lot of people they. Um, hadn't really had any experience with infectious disease. And so they, many people, uh, libertarians were one of them were just confused, uh, about, about, uh, w- the weather and to what extent this is an emergency. The emergency. So they got
2: overwhelmed by the unknown, I guess is, uh, what, what... yeah. There's also the slight problem
3: that, uh, Uh, Libertarian theory has certain arcane principles about it, among which that um, uh, the the idea is that uh, 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 there's a uh, sorry about that that there's a principle called the non-aggression principle. Okay, which is the idea that you can do anything you want as long as it's peaceful, uh, but you can't invade another person's person or property okay uh right that's a generally accepted idea would you say yeah well now if you think of a pathogen as a kind of invader um then to give another person uh to share a pathogen with somebody else uh, might then constitute a kind of invasion of or, their or or an attack their, of their person. Yeah, an attack, an invasion of the person. So, um, uh, and so, uh, government's only purpose under libertarian theory is to stop people from invading each other's uh, space, right? So the old slogan: violating that, each
2: other's rights.
3: Yeah, yeah. And by the way, Fauci pulled this little trick a couple of times too, telling people that. Um, that that it violates another person's right to to give them COVID. So <clears throat> so it's up to government to prevent that from happening. And so uh, the libertarians uh, uh, actually uh, believed this and got confused. So they fell for it. They did. So so Todd, here here is the problem, uh, to my mind, with these kind of strange abstract. Um, logistic uh, ideologies that they work until they don't work. They make sense until they bump into an anomalous situation that, uh, <clears throat> that they can't really understand in practical terms, and they reach to extreme solutions to solve it. And unfortunately, I mean, I'm deeply, by the way, deeply embarrassed uh, to say this about the libertarians because they... You know, that's sort of my tribe, right? But, hey, everybody's tribe failed over the last three years. Mm-hmm. The right wing, left wing, libertarians, too. Uh, that a lot of libertarians thought the lockdowns were perfectly fine. The mask, mask mandates were perfectly fine. The vaccine mandates were totally fine because <clears throat> there was some sort of failure inherent in the markets uh, that that the pathogenic spread uh, could not be stopped through any other means. Therefore, government needs to do this. Now, uh, the lockdowns were the biggest experiment in totalitarian control of the human population. I would argue, in the history of humanity. Mm-hmm. So here you have the libertarians basically blessing the biggest form of totalitarian control. Yeah, but this is
2: this is what I don't understand. We're talking to Jeffrey mm-hmm. Tucker from the Brownstone Institute. Uh, mm-hmm. This is what I don't understand because. Uh, the, the idea of a libertarian or more dramatic outlook is one of understanding that government is dangerous, that it's the most evil yeah. force on the planet, and all right. one has to do is look at the history of mankind and all the wars and all the struggle and mm-hmm. all the oppression. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all comes from government. And mm-hmm. we're watching in this country now, the, over over the last several decades, that The government has run crazy in its desire Uh to abandon our system of government without ever announcing that that that's what they're up to and and plundering us blind. So I I don't understand how anybody who's Philly, you know, Democrats and Republicans, I can see them getting caught up in it. But there's no argument upon which libertarians should.
3: I. Obviously, completely agree with you. Uh, the 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 problem is with big theories, is that if you make a mistake in your big theory, then the whole theory can just unravel. and Unfortunately, libertarians made a number of, of errors, mm. and uh, and that was one of them. They also
2: you're saying they were afraid to take a stand because what if they were wrong about the virus? Uh, uh,
3: uh, well. Unfortunately, many of them took a stand for the lockdowns. The Cato Institute, for example, uh, took a stand for lockdowns, for mask mandates and for vaccine mandates because they saw they believed that 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 freedom was incapable of handling uh, a, a pandemic. Because in a pandemic, you've got everybody aggressing on everybody else's personal property. Now, you might ask me, Todd, what's wrong with that theory? You sure? What's wrong with that uh, theory, (laughs) Chuck? And I will tell you, uh, what's wrong with it is that uh, pathogens are always and everywhere. With us, there are trillions of them in our body, outside of our bodies. They're everywhere. And that we evolved with viruses and invading each other's space all the time. My viruses infect you, your viruses infect me, especially with a common respiratory pathogen like SARS-CoV-2 is or the flu or a cold or anything else. And furthermore, this pathogenic spread is not always and everywhere negative. In fact, without that pathogenic spread, we would all die instantly from pathogens. So um, uh, the, the spread of the virus itself confers immunity. Exposure leads to immunity. There's only one thing more dangerous in the whole history of humanity than governments, and that is a naive immune system. Mm-hmm. That's what kills you. And you can go back uh, several hundred years and look at what happened to the native populations of the Americas once uh, Spain arrived. So what you're and, saying
2: is that, that mm. when, when a pathogen like COVID is coming, the proper way to respond for the best health Of the population is to let the population go out into the world and absorb the virus and to start to build a defense.
3: That's what's going to happen. Now if you're going to use some sort of rationalistic scheme to keep people away from it it should be the right people, uh, namely those who have medically significant uh, negative effects from exposure. And in this case we knew for sure it was uh, the elderly and the obese, in which case they could have sheltered themselves as they do every year during the flu-, flu season and waited till herd immunity had built up among the general population and then come out into the open. But, but uh, just purely flattening the curve forever was a, would be a catastrophic idea uh, because, because you, 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 you go with that logic hard enough and we're all going to die from some pathogen, you know, um, pathogens don't come built in with an automated severity to them. Their severity is entirely related to the existing immunological the immune systems of, the, of population. The, population. The, population. The, the population. So, Jeffrey,
2: I, I I'm surprised mm-hmm. that you took the particular approach to your position that you did. That is to talk about the path and pathogen. Of COVID versus the pathogen of government, because I, I yeah, think what right. we well, I think what we saw was that no matter what rationale might have made one weak to the idea of of uh, standing up to government and not turning right. power over to them, they right. proved that they can't be trusted. And what I found yeah. most appalling was that once they got control of the situation, they started spending trillions of dollars that didn't exist to pump into the economy to force everybody to go uh, passively into the shutdowns. And and that meant that we were, we were subsidizing our children and grandchildren's futures, or, or they were subsidizing our shutdown, uh, kids who don't even exist yet, with the taxes they'll be paying in the future for a, an utter plundering of the country. And that money is used to cover up for huge mistakes that have been made by government and huge squandered wealth. And and they get to cover it up for the time being and suffer no political consequences for all the evil things that they've done, including the COVID shutdowns. They're they're not
3: going to pay any price whatsoever. Look, uh, on March 16th, 2020, the federal government released an edict that said all indoor and outdoor venues where people – Congregate should be closed. Mm-hmm. That's an exact quote. I have scoured the history of government policy and never found anything so extreme. Not once? No. That's amazing. Can you amazing. Think of an
2: example? Can you think of an example? Well, I'm not. I'm not the informed guy that you are. So I'll. I'll take your word for it. It's just amazing because government loves to abuse people. So you would think that kind of yeah, abuse. But, well, but at the same all, time, how do you? Fi- you can't collect taxes if you don't have an economy that's producing, and and nobody's had the ability to yeah, print as much what, reckless money as America has.
3: Yeah, that's right. So here, so here you had a disaster that was going to destroy life on earth pretty quickly, so uh, as a result, they divided the workforce between essential and non-essential, and essential employees had to go out <clears throat> and deliver uh, food and, uh, uh, and other uh, necessities and keep, uh, keep the water running, the electricity going, and pumping the gas, and, and that sort of thing, while well, everybody else luxuriated at home, and when that <laughs> seemed a little bit unviable, uh, you know, at some point, they thought, well, we better pay everybody. So that's when Congress allocated trillions and, trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, basically, you know, I don't know, on the, on the level of $10 trillion over, over the course of the pandemic, to pain everybody to continue this idiotic uh, response. But the, the,
2: which... I haven't heard that conflict of interest talked about where they are spending money that is going to force us to pay in perpetuity for them doing stuff that we then won't push back against because they bought us off.
3: Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And then, of course, you might say, well, where did they get the money to pay us? Well, <laughs> they spent it. Uh, the Treasury Department created the debt. And then the Federal Reserve, uh, which had been trying to uh, back off of its previous policies of, uh, that it adopted in 2008 of just endless quantitative easing, uh, then reversed course and immediately over the course of 18 months created more than $6 trillion in new money and effectively dropped it out of helicopters by having the Treasury Department dump it into our bank account. Yes. And we all said, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> we don't work. We and just, we get paid. We, pretend, we sit at home and pretend to be working. And the government's filling up my bank account. I usually pay the government. Now they're paying me. Wow, this lockdown stuff is pretty much the greatest thing that's ever happened. And I'll save this money. I'll pay off my credit card bills. I'll save my, my – my, there's no inflation either. Look, prices aren't even going up. How come we haven't been doing this for, this for forever? This is amazing. What a world. <laughs> I and mean, it seems like the greatest innovation is in the history of fiscal policy, Right.
2: We're talking yeah, to Jeffrey Tucker from Brownstone.org. We just have a minute left, Jeffrey. So give us another oh. thought. This is fun reminiscing. Of it's actually three years ago this week. I, I, I yeah, realized. Yeah, that's one right. Three time. years
3: ago this week. Well, basically it was a big head fake, right? Now we're all desperately poor, and inflation. We've lost about seventeen cents on the dollar in the last three years, uh, uh, and obviously life is vastly degraded in more ways than you and I could possibly. Uh, name on this phone call. So you're it was a, uh it was, it was a I, I just want to
2: transition to pushing your website. brownstone.org is a wonderful website and it looks beautiful and the the writing there is great. How are things going?
4: Uh you know
3: it's going very well. We're only eighteen months into this uh as Brownstone. But uh, as as a as a living presence in the world. But I tell you what, we've got millions upon millions of of, of faithful readers and and we're driving everybody crazy with uh, good, good science good. research. And the attacks are growing. Uh, Brownstone is considered to be the center of the web of evil all over the world by the uh, lockdown proponents and vaccine mandate people. Awesome. So, you know, um, just all told, yeah, the heat is on, but that's because we've, we're effective. <laughs>
2: Well, that's what you want. You want to make uh, make an impact, and, and that proves you're doing it. Jeffrey Tucker, go to brownstone.org. Check out a wonderful website for information, and I guess we'll call it alternative thinking. Jeffrey, thanks for being here. We'll be in touch soon. My pleasure, Good to talk to you. All righty. It's brownstone.org. Coming up, we'll take phone calls. We'll listen to some sound. We'll talk. The BPS Lawyers Traffic Center is where we're heading right
0: now. Mark Christopher is there, hey Mark. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You better over here! Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
1: It's Todd Feinberg. It's Todd Feinberg.
2: Monday through Friday, 3 till 6 on WTIC News Talk 1080. Oh, yes. It is three years ago this week that the COVID shutdowns happened. What's your assessment now? When you look at it, do you think it was a good idea to trust government? I got radicalized by it, I guess. That probably, that experience More than anything else, made me realize that government is completely untrustworthy. They just make terrible decisions, and every decision they make is in their own best interest. That's what drives it. Three years ago this week, what have you learned? What have you learned? I think it's obvious that government can't be trusted. And that COVID made it more so because they were promising us a week or two, flatten the curve. Remember that? Flatten the curve? You remember flatten the curve? You talk about just telling a story to get a response from people. And everybody falling for it. Oh, we had dinner last weekend with some friends. And they said, do you mind if we bring, we've got a single friend, do you mind if we bring them along? And we said, all right. Be fun to meet somebody new. So we go out to dinner and I'm talking and I don't usually bring up anything political, but they asked a couple of questions. So I just, uh, you know, I didn't hit anything hard, but um, I I made some allusion to the COVID shutdowns and what I had learned about government. And, And this guy got mad because he just can't take it. He's so sick of hearing people criticize the government. You know, the government got surprised by something they had no idea how to handle. I said, well, I think they had an idea. They did shutdowns. Well, what would you have done? And, of course, he didn't want to listen to anything. He would ask questions like that. But, but it's clear to me now, what wasn't clear to me three years ago, is that you have to have a philosophy of government that protects you against a government with no principles. And, and I would never go along with a shutdown, a government shutdown, it, it just wouldn't happen. Now, how about you? Would you do it again? 8605 And I remember people calling up and saying, I'm never wearing a mask into a store and stuff like that. And I just, I couldn't imagine how they would have the, um, the fortitude to have to be fighting all the time and uh, be the scourge. And I suspected the people were letting off steam that they didn't actually do that. Because it's too hard to do. But that's what we all have to do next time. We all have to just say no. And we have to realize. The thing that gets me is I feel like people don't realize. Like this guy we went out to dinner with is in, in totally in the dark, has no idea how, how silly he sounds. Defending people taking drastic action out of ignorance. If you're that ignorant, Bide your time. Make no decisions until what's going on becomes clear. 860 522 What are your thoughts? Please give a call. Rant's coming in a half an hour at eight six zero Let's check in with Mark Christopher, the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Mark. Now back to the Don Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC. News Talk 1080. Yep, three years ago this week, the shutdown of the state happened. The shutdown of America, the shutdown of the world was going on in a lot of places. RP in Wallingford, hey there.
5: Hi, Todd. Um, Yeah, I remember it very well because um, in my career of selling to restaurants and hotels and stuff, I had a very good account. I I guess I won't mention it, but uh, I knew the family really well. And... He called one of the brothers that is very conservative, um, called me and said, we have to shut down tonight at eight o'clock. I said, you have to shut down every night at eight o'clock. He says, no, we're shut down after eight o'clock for good, like for indefinitely. I'm like, what? I said, how could the government tell you to shut down? You're supposed to make any money. (laughs) Um, And and the first thing I thought about was, when are they ever going to make the decision to reopen? Like, that was the first thing I thought of. It's easy to close down because, you know, oh, he's trying to keep us safe. But how are you ever going to reopen?
2: Yeah, because the, all the pressure would be, well, uh, we don't want to op- reopen too soon, and then the thing right. comes back. So all the pressure is don't reopen.
5: Exactly. And it took forever, right? I don't remember how long forever. the restaurants were shut down. but uh, It
2: took a mighty um, long time.
5: Yeah, and, you know, I don't know how anybody that gets paid automatically, the government, can tell someone else that doesn't get paid automatically that they can't work.
2: Yes. Well, I think what you mean to say is how does somebody who doesn't have to work for their money, their money keeps coming in, whether they work or not, tell people have to work for a living. You can't work for a living. You've got to go (laughs) sit home and shut down your business and not pay your mortgage and all those things. It was
5: awful. You know, and and another reason that was awful was, you know, even when they decided to pay people, um, that was even worse because now you had people not screaming to reopen exactly. uh, businesses again. Um, but do you remember, Todd, when the Capitol shut down for three or four days to deep clean? And yes. um, I remember thinking to myself, well, they're probably going to spend, like, who knows how many thousands of dollars. And then the minute they reopen, it's not clean anymore. <laughs> that was the stupidest thing I ever remember. It um, was you know, the minute-
2: performance government.
5: Yeah, yeah. The minute somebody walks in, that's the end of
2: that. RP, thanks so, for the call, sir. it was awful. Thank you. Good to talk with you. Eight six zero We're talking to Don
4: in East Hartford. Hello, Donald. Good afternoon, Todd. I, would, I want to take side with your guests at dinner by asking you the same question. Mm-hmm. If you were the government, what you would, would you have done? Nothing at all. Just Just ignore it.
2: What I would have done was studied it very carefully and quickly and realized what was going on in New York and what was going on out on the West Coast. Do you remember that first alarm we had in this country? It was a nursing home. Do you remember out on the West Coast? And there was a meltdown going on at that nursing home. And, And had anybody thought about it? and looked into it they would have realized this is the vulnerable population if you looked at italy you would have seen the same thing that that it was seniors right off the bat the signals were it was seniors and if you wanted to actually make people safe in a functional way that is to keep uh the society humming so you have two priorities one is find a way to advise and or defend the weakest most vulnerable populations and You have an imperative to keep the society humming, because what would have happened if we didn't have the ability to borrow endless amounts of money and create inflation right now? Nobody's thinking about all the people who have died, all the educations that have been messed up, the kids whose lives are miserable, the depression, the shootings, all the things that are springing forth, the supply chain problems from those shutdowns. And we look at them and we only see the sales pitch from the government. Oh, we want to keep you safe. No, that's not what they want to do at all. They want to keep themselves safe. And they want to keep their power enhanced. So I would have used power cautiously had I been in the position back then. But now it would be the last thing I would do to even think about a shutdown. I would say to people, we know that we have to keep money going. We know that ultimately the most destruction happens if we take kids out of school and force people to close their businesses, what would you do?
4: It was scary time. Nobody knew this. This is something new to 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 the world. So I can't blame blame the government for something that they they, they have never seen. Something they have never seen before. It scared everybody, including myself.
2: Well, but we who but think, you're not who, informed on this. They have advisors. Who think, Who know you know we hadn't faced it before but there are pandemics that have gone on over the past few decades and have hit certain countries there's a lot of data available and a lot of political experience to call on and by the way we're supposed to have people in positions of authority who know how to react in a crisis don't we want experienced people not know nothings like Ned Lamont who's never done a thing with his life
4: but correct me if I'm wrong, didn't, didn't that shutdown start in the previous administration?
2: Yes, Donald shutdown Trump.
4: shutdown started in the previous yes. administration.
2: Yeah, he got buffaloed by the people in the, um, in the CDC and all the international stuff. You're right. Yep, Donald Trump didn't react properly.
4: I'm not blaming anybody, Todd. This thing was scary, and I'm glad it subsided. I'm not really pointing fingers, because if I was in, in, in either of those gentlemen' positions, I would, be, I would, be, I would have sleepless this night if I was Mr. Trump or, or Mr. Biden. All right, can we, talk, really
2: can we talk about the other stories you're concerned about?
4: <laughs> you mean the one I sent you?
2: Don uh, called last week and said, check out um, the capital of Mississippi. There's racism going on there because they're carving up the city and making a new district to be controlled by the white republicans in the state government in the city of jackson mississippi which is the state capital and you asked me to read up on that and then you sent me the story you just alluded to in louisville where a department of justice study just revealed that they abused people up and down the street in the police department
4: in uh, louisville not just people majority black people not just people well yeah, uh, due to black lots people. lots of
2: different people i don't know what the percentages were but i read the story and it talked about how different people of different persuasions including black people were at the short end of the stick and i have to do more research to find out if they're exaggerating the blacks being abused because that makes them look better as government officials if they're worrying about black people the thing in Jackson didn't read to me like it made much sense and what I felt like was going on there was you've got black leadership in the city of Jackson I'm sorry yeah Jackson and and what the black leadership is doing to defend itself from what the state government is doing the Republican controlled state government is trying to create a new district inside of a section maybe one-fifth of Jackson so that they can have their own court system and expand the Capitol Police Department to defend that area. Now, this is a city in crisis, and this is what makes it complicated, Don, and why I think the, the black leadership in the city is using the race card maybe to defend itself from the fact that it can't run the city, and the city's falling apart. They can't fix the water system and give people clean water, and it's got the highest murder rate in the country. So when I hear that, that it's not running well, and the only thing they can say about the state government is, oh, you guys are all white people. Well, white people aren't bad. And the white people in state government might be looking at the disaster that is Jackson, Mississippi, and saying, we have to figure out a way to make this city safer. And guess what? What if we expand the... Capitol Police to take over a small section of the city, one-fifth of it, and we and and we bounce that around in a meeting about where exactly should they patrol, and somebody says, well, have them do the black areas because if we do the right, white areas. They'll say we're just trying to take care of white people and ignore the blacks, and then somebody says, well, if we put it in the black section, they'll say we're trying to abuse the blacks, and they decide to put it in the white section so they don't have to be called racist for putting it in the black section. And then the effect of that would be to provide assistance to the police department, which the mayor says is overtaxed. So, you know, it could be there's racism going on in there, but there's a lot of different ways to look at the story. And I don't think it was as simple as you're looking at it, Don. Okay.
4: Uh, And and the Louisville um, case, did you know that... It's 81 percent of that police force is white in a predominantly black community. 81 percent of the Louisville police force is white.
5: Mm. Well,
2: that's true in a lot of police departments.
4: Yeah, well, and, but there's, uh, there's many reasons for that because um, people of color won't, won't, won't step up to the plate and join the force. They won't. You know. Is that what you said? No, they won't. I, I, they, they should, but I don't know why they don't.
2: Have they don't, you ever they, seen any data that shows that having more blacks on the police department actually leads to less uh, complaints of abuse? No, I,
4: I, no I, I'm, I, That would be my homework for the weekend. I'll go okay, look. Okay, because because some research. You know,
2: I've heard some anecdotal stuff where black officers say, "If you want to see people who are tough on, on a uh, black, perps, it is." black police officers because they feel that they have to hit harder to prove themselves so i don't know these are complicated issues and it, it it scares me a little bit to have people say things like what's going on in jackson where the black leadership automatically says oh this is racism because the white people are trying to help us and they're white And you can't trust white Uh, people because they're racist. I
4: just want to put it out there. Not all white people are bad. You got bad black people. You got bad white people. I just want to put that out there.
2: Well, thank you, because that's my point, is they want us to think it's automatically bad. Because you can't have white people patrolling blacks and you can't have black people patrolling whites. I don't believe that we operate on, in such a simple way, human beings. That so we have a lot of different biases and a lot of goodness in us as well.
4: The, the truth is that this, the, when the few black people that make the majority look bad is the same way you have the few whites who make the majority whites look bad. Same way. However,
2: I will say something on your side of the argument, which is these are sick systems in many cases, these urban police departments, which have been at war in some cases with their own citizenry for a long time. And that's not so much a racial thing as it might be a socioeconomic thing, that they view the neighborhoods they patrol as being bad neighborhoods, and they treat the people like they're bad people, and that's their habit. And that's the trouble with government. It's not good at breaking habits of abuse or, or waste or whatever. Thank you for bringing those uh, stories to my attention. I appreciate it.
4: Nice talking to you, Ted. That's you, Jeff.
2: All right. Take care, Don. That is Don from East Hartford, who is uh, the best of the Dons who call the show. There's a joke there somewhere. 860 The cries of racism are a good way for people to avoid having a conversation about what is actually going on. If you just scream racism, it riles people up. There's a certain part of the population that automatically gets engaged and decides which side of the issue they're on because they just hear the cry of racism. So you'll see Louisville, Kentucky in the news because the Justice Department issued a report I don't think the Justice Department should be issuing reports. Shut down the report-issuing wing. The states can take care of their own police departments, and the federal government in our system has no role in telling the states what to do with their police departments. States are big entities. Many of them are way bigger than lots of countries in the world. A couple of them would be amongst the biggest countries on the planet. States can do this stuff. And the federal government is dangerous. And the federal bureaucracy is where things go to get ruined. And uh, that's how I look at COVID. Three years later. Later we can look back and say they did virtually everything wrong or maybe i'm being too polite they did everything wrong 8605229842 trump did one good thing and that was the thing we hate most the vaccine he pursued the vaccine but in retrospect we don't even like that Rant line number 8607514698. Rants are coming up in just a few minutes. Right now, though, let's focus on the present. Mark Christopher in the
0: BPS Lawyers Traffic Center Mark. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spit it over here! Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.